Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. There was a man that bought a large lot of land. His friend came and said to him, Friend, will you put cattle on this land? Oh, no, I, I don't want to put cattle because they could get sick and all die. So he said, Oh, will you put locusts on this land? He said, Oh, no, 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 I would never think of putting corn on this land because maybe locusts would come and eat all the corn. So he said, well, friend, will you use this land and develop this land and maybe build condominiums on it? He said, oh, no. Condominiums could fall down. And if they do, oh, I would never want that to happen. And it's amazing to me that the friend then said, no, I'm just going to sit on this land And watch it my whole life. I'm too afraid to do anything with it, though I own the land. So I'm just going to simply watch it all of my days. And I often wonder how many believers live there in their faith. Having so many promises from God. And never purposing to hold and claim any single one of them. Well, Pastor Chet, you are not taking Calvary Chapel into the faith movement, naming and claiming, oh no, I would never do that to Calvary Chapel South Bay. But what I would do, what I would do is pray that we might learn a faith that can move mountains. A faith that God has given us access to, given us ownership in, allowed us the opportunity to experience, and will we move from the place of fear to faith? Let's take a look. We're going to be in Mark chapter 11 first and foremost. Mark chapter 11, let me give you some context of what we're about to read. You see, the disciples are amazed at the spoken word of Jesus. He spoke to something. He actually spoke to a tree. You see, the day before, he walked up to a fig tree, and he went to take some fruit from the fig tree, but the fig tree did not have any fruit on it, though it was filled with leaves. In other words, this tree was a hypocrite, because figs, or the fruit, come before the leaves, or about the same time as on a fig tree. Since it had leaves, but it didn't have figs, Well, it looked like something it wasn't. It looked like a fruit-bearing tree, but it wasn't a fruit-bearing tree. It was a hypocritical tree. And so Jesus spoke, and the disciples heard, let no one eat fruit from you again. Now, let's take a look. Mark chapter 11, pick it up in our story, verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, speaking of the disciples. And Peter 
And we always know he was the one that would speak something. What I love about Peter is the fact that God didn't change his loud mouth. He just redeemed it and made him a preacher. And so that's actually what God did with me. My kids asked my mom some children's stories of me. And I thought to myself, my mom would have the discernment not to tell them one. She told them many. And one of the ones they asked was, who was the hardest child to raise? And she pointed, yours truly. And she was pointing directly at me. He would just never stop talking. Well, I thought to myself, I'm Peter. I may have a loud mouth. God just redeemed it to make me a preacher. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered him and said to him, pay attention. Have faith in God. Now, that's a very easy memory verse. If you want to underline that and memorize that scripture, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, many people have taken this particular scripture out of context. An entire movement called the faith movement evolved from verses such as these that were taken out of context or not taken in the context of comparing spiritual things to spiritual things. You see, the disciples, they're amazed. They're amazed that the tree was withered to the root at the spoken word of Jesus. Jesus directed the tree that it would not bear fruit ever again, that no one would eat from it. It was the spoken word to the tree. And they were amazed that Jesus, what something that he said, had come to pass so quickly. They were amazed at this. Now, Christian, please listen. They'd been walking with Jesus for some time. I mean, this is now towards the end of his ministry. This is the last week of the life of Jesus. I mean, they had seen him speak to Lazarus, and the dead man came forth. They had heard him speak to the demon, and the demon came out. Why now, at the end of his ministry, is this such a struggle for the disciples to hear Jesus speak something to the tree, and it happens by the next morning? Well, Jesus answers the question. Have faith in God. Their issue was faith. Now, let me put it in a little modern-day context, if I would. They have an incredible devotional life. The disciples have the, I believe they have the best of, they are living, waking up, eating, sleeping with Jesus. Tell me that's not an incredible devotional life. I believe they had the best devotional life of any Christian that ever lived on the face of this planet for the year and a half that they were with Jesus. And most scholars believe that the disciples were with Jesus for about 18 months of his three-year ministry as the 12. So they're having a great devo. They had a great prayer life. Once again, I think they had the greatest prayer life of anyone. They could talk to Jesus physically whenever they wanted to. They could wake him up in the middle of the night. Hey, I got another question for you. Hey, I was thinking about Isaiah today. I mean, just imagine the prayer life they had. Because anytime you talk to Jesus, you're in prayer. 
they had heard the greatest sermons spoken by the Word of God Himself. The same Word that said, let there be light, they heard, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The saint, they actually knew what He sounded like. They had the living Bible. Now, I'm not speaking about the version, okay? I am speaking about the living, spoken Word of Jesus Christ. They had it. What happened? I don't want us to give them such a hard time. Because their issue may be our own. Their issue may be our own. If we begin to ask ourselves, have we seen any saddlebacks shaking lately? Have we seen any mountains moving in our faith? I mean, we're making sure that our devotional life is incredible. In fact, every year I've added 30 minutes to my prayer life. My prayer life has increased, and I am now a prayer without ceasing. I put principles that Pastor Chet has told me to do, and when I'm driving by a billboard, it reminds me to pray for this, and when I come into uh, uh, Ralph's, it reminds me to pray for this. I mean, I have got prayer reminders all over the place. I'm praying all the time. I mean, this year. I went through the entire Bible. I've never gone through the entire Bible. I'm reading the Bible all the time. I'm listening to sermon after sermon and podcast after podcast. Yet, are we like the disciples asking the Lord to increase our faith when we hear that we can move mountains? Let me say it again. We can move mountains. Are we? You see, the heart of the issue may be found, and the heart of our issue may be found in the very first statement of the Lord. Go back with me if you would. I ask you to underline it. Let's take a look as we, in this first part of a three-part series, take a look at these four simple words. Have faith in God. Let's memorize it together. Ready? Ready? Have faith. You did it, and you didn't even need my help. Now, how many of you were reading? (laughs) Have faith in God. Before I go any further, it's important to know what he didn't say. It's important to know what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, have faith in your prayer life. He doesn't say, have faith in your devotional life. He doesn't even say, have faith in your Bible reading. Now, let me explain. I am not negating the power of each one of those things. Each one of them are important and vital for our spiritual journey. But we've got to be careful not to develop a work-based faith like the Jews did of Jesus' day. In other words, if I just read a little bit more, If I just spend a little more time in prayer or more time with Jesus, he might respond to me. It's work-based. Do you remember the man at the gate called Beautiful? And he's sitting there begging for money. The last thing he wanted was God. He just wanted money. And Peter looked at him and said, Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus. How much time did he spend in prayer? How much time did he spend reading his Bible? How much time did he spend in devotional life? And God invades his life with the incredible grace of God. We've got to be careful that we don't read, the more I do, the more mountains I can move. 
Because sometimes I believe we might read that word faith as what I do for God, then he will respond to me. But this was the mentality of the Pharisees. They had a works-based faith. It's the kind of faith that was renounced by the Lord. Do you remember what he said? Woe to you Pharisees. Woe, woe, woe. When God uses woe, like woe, right? For God to use woe. Do you know that when the, word, when the Bible says the book of Revelation, the correlating scripture in Zechariah, when God said woe, Zechariah says he stood up and all of heaven went quiet for 30 minutes. Whoa. That's a woe. And so he looks at the hypocrites of the day, the Pharisees of the day, the works-based faith of the day, and says, woe to you Pharisees. Now, most scholars, most scholars believe it's why Jesus cursed the fig tree. The fig tree was a representation of the hypocritical Israel. They looked like they were religious, but they had no relationship with God. No relationship with God. It's why Paul, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, you'll see it on the screen behind me, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, say it with me, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Let me explain. It's by grace. God's grace gives us access to God. Our faith is the response of God's grace. He gave us his son. Now just imagine. Just imagine. Well, Pastor Chet, I see God doing great things in your life. How much time do you pray? Oh, about four hours a day. Well, I only pray two hours a day. Well, you, it's time to ante up. You better get to four. <laughs> Just imagine you see Sally the saint. And every word that comes out of her... Now, if your name is Sally, sorry. That's not in my notes. It just came out. Maybe God has something for you, okay? So just imagine you're Sally the saint, okay? And you're meeting someone and, well, uh, uh, hey, I pray all day long. That's how much I pray. Well, I, I get, I'm a single mom and, and I, I maybe get like 20 minutes in the bathroom, like as the kids are banging on the door. And I just cry out to God. Like, and all I pray is, help, help. That's what I pray all the time. I don't know if I could have the time to pray all day. Well, maybe Sally the Saint is 85 years old and she has time all day to pray. And you, the single mom, you're listening to Sally the Saint tell you that she prays all day and you're just trying to survive to get through the next day. Are you beginning to see, have faith in God? Grace, God's unmerited favor, provides us the access through faith so that none of us can say, well, I pray four hours. Well, I pray eight hours. Well, I pray all day. None of us can boast. You see, the foundation of our faith is the fact that we have faith in God alone to save. We can do nothing to get to heaven except through the grace of God and that we believe that he sent his son. That foundation is how we build the rest of our faith. I wanted to have a chair on the stage and someone gives me this chair. And I go and I just sit in the chair. 
Someone has graced me with the privilege to sit down in a chair while I teach. I trust that the chair is going to hold me, so I just sit on the chair. I believe the grace was given. I believe I can sit, thus I just sit. That principle should go throughout our entire faith. He's built it on the fact that we've been saved by grace through faith, and that foundation of faith is what we build upon to the point where Jesus says in this great spiritual moment, have faith in God. Now, it's important to note what he did say. Say it with me. Have faith in God. You see, spiritual disciplines like fasting, prayer, and giving, spiritual disciplines can build our faith, but they're not the foundation of our faith. God alone is our faith. Let me explain. Prayer keeps us connected with God. Prayer keeps us just, he keeps us connected. Bible reading is not necessarily our faith. Bible reading helps us to know the character and the person of God. His revelation of himself is not the object of our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. So as we're in the word of God, we get to know the God that we're in relationship with. So reading the word is an opportunity for us to grow in faith. Devotions? Devotions give us the time to understand what we have read. These spiritual disciplines are all important, but the foundation is have faith in God. God's the object of faith. And we need to be careful that we don't relegate the great God of the Bible to religious routines as the only expression of our faith. And I believe there's a reason why we do that. Let me give you an example. If I don't spend 10 days fasting, maybe God won't hear me. Then your faith is in the fast and what you do, not in the fact that God is faithful. Well, I better pray for 10 hours so that he'll answer me. Well, then your faith is in the way you pray, not in the God that you're praying to. You see, what you're saying is if I do all the right things, then God will do what I tell him to do. Well, that makes you the God and him the servant. Have faith in God. You see, that kind of faith is not the kind of faith that Jesus is talking about that moves mountains. And I want to give you an example. Turn back a few pages with me to Mark chapter 5. We have studied this story, and so I'm going to read it as simply a reminder to us. But I want you to see what this woman and how she had faith in God. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had. It was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now, if you remember, she had heard And I showed you in Scripture that when people were touching his garment, they were being healed. And people were just putting their their sick in front of his shadow, hoping that his shadow would follow him. And she heard that. So she was doing what she heard. Immediately, 
The fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touches my clothes? But his disciples, and let me say loudmouth Peter from another gospel, said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, listen carefully, daughter, your faith has made you well. Or let me say, moved a mountain. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Gang, this woman's faith is commended by the Lord. So we would do be wise to evaluate the kind of faith that she had to move this mountain in her life. And it may have been a prep story for where Mark was leading to in Mark chapter 11. You see, the Bible says she heard about Jesus. She was reading her Bible, let's put it like that, she heard, she was reading her Bible, and she, and she wasn't actually reading her Bible, but my point is, she was getting to know God. And she heard that Jesus was healing in this manner. She believed what she heard. When she heard it, she believed it. Now, she wasn't healed, but she trusted that Jesus could do what she heard he was doing, and she trusted that Jesus could do it for her. On the screen, you'll see Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It's that great plaque verse that defines our faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Substance of things hoped for? She hoped in what she heard he was already doing. She didn't have a hope that she just pulled out of the sky. Like, I hope God gives me a 2023 Ferrari in 2023. That would be pulling something out of the sky. Now, you might think that's moving a mountain, but that would not be hope because the substance of things hoped for are things that Jesus has promised and communicated though he's not given the promise already. And God had spoken to her. She hoped in what she did not have. Let me give you an example. In Luke chapter 3, verse 2, we read something about John the Baptist. And I'm going to explain this as we move forward. In, John, in Luke chapter 3, verse 2, while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. The word. Now, many of you, you Greek scholars, and you know that word means logos, the word. But that is not the word that's used there. The word that's used there is the word rhema. Rhema. I am rhyming you right now. Now, there's no I-N-G in Greek, but just go with it for just a minute. I am speaking to you. And God spoke to John. He spoke to him. 
Now I want you to see in John chapter 1, verse 23, how he spoke to him. They came and they asked John, who are you? Are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Who are you? And John says, I am Isaiah 40. The voice of one crying in the wilderness makes straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Can I tell you that it doesn't matter if you read through the entire Bible, but God never spoke to you? Because you can read all day long. You can read the Word of God, but there's a difference between reading the Word of God as just a part of your religious routine, and I got through five chapters today, and hearing from God as He speaks to you through His Word. Let me explain. John the Baptist one day is reading Isaiah chapter 40. He's reading Isaiah chapter 40. He's reading the Logos. He's reading the Word. And as he's reading the word, the rema of God, the rema of God spoke, John, you're the one. You're the one of the voice crying out in the wilderness. Now, you know why that's such a big deal? John didn't want public ministry. He left Jerusalem, went to a cave in Qumran, was part of a monastic kind of group called the Essenes. The last thing he wanted was public ministry. And so as he's reading Isaiah 40, as he's scribing it out there in his monastic way, God speaks to him, rhema word, this is you. How many of you been reading your devotions and you're just reading, you're reading, and you're reading and reading, and then all of a sudden, boom, forgive one another as God in Christ Jesus forgave you, and you think of Aunt Sally Saint, who says she prays all day, and you're a single mom, and you just are trying to get 20 minutes to pray. And all of a sudden, God speaks to you as you're reading the Word, and now the Word is living and active. Are you, trying to, are you get, beginning to see what I'm talking about, the fact that it's not just Bible reading that defines our faith, it's God speaking to you in relationship as you are reading the Word. Let me give you another example. His name is Samuel. Samuel's a young guy. He was given by his mom to the Lord. He knew the word of God. He knew it. He knew how to set the candles up. He knew how to clean the temple. He knew all the details of the word of God. But when God, Ramah, spoke to him, he ran to Eli. He knew the word of God, but he didn't know the voice of God. And when God was trying to get to him, he was running to a man. Finally, Eli gets it and goes, oh, God is trying to speak to you. Church, that is the substance of things hoped for. When we are in the word of God and he gives us a promise for his word and he speaks to us a word. I shared one with you from Psalm 143. Revive me again, O Lord. And when I read that in Psalm 143, several years ago, God spoke to me that he was going to give a revival. And that's what I hold to. And my promise from the Lord in Psalm 143 is that revival will come. He spoke to me as I was reading. Substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You see, this woman... She believed what she had, even though she hadn't experienced it yet. 
she believed that God would heal her. She believed that God spoke to her as the people were telling her, this is what Jesus is doing. She believed that God spoke to her in the same way that John the Baptist, God spoke to him when he was hearing the word, he was also hearing the voice. And so she acted on it. She took steps of faith towards it. And she reached out and she touches him. And in the moment of that faithful step, she experienced a mountain moved. She was healed. Jesus looks at her and says, daughter, daughter, your faith moved that mountain. And that's why this woman is someone for us to know. You see, she had great faith in God in what she heard and what she believed in, she didn't have great faith in the process. She had great faith in her her God. See, oftentimes, we don't see mountains move because we begin to rely on the process and not on God. I pray four hours a day. I read five chapters a day. I have a great devotional life. And all of a sudden, the religious routine, which in and of themselves are not the problem, it's when you trust in them and they become what our faith is, the exhibition of our faith, instead of trusting in the Almighty God. And I'll tell you why we struggle. Risk. Risk. Praying three hours a day, safe. Reading five chapters a day is safe. But when you read those chapters, do you see what God asked people to do? It's unbelievable. Noah, build a boat. Excuse me? You want me to do what? Don't worry about the animals. I'm going to send them in two by two. Are you serious right now? (laughs) Like, you're going to bring the animals and I'm actually going to trust that the lion's not going to eat me? God bless you, God. But there's no way. Just imagine what God asked people to do. And think through their faith in God. You see, we can even develop more processes so that we don't have to take any risks. And we can say these are faith-filled things, but God may be calling us to a life of faith so that we have faith in God. It's so easy to develop a religion when we read have faith in God instead of a relationship that may involve some risks. Have faith in God. I mean, we read that he created the world in seven days. What if he wants you to transform L.A. in seven? We read... That he parted the Red Sea. What if he wants you to part a Red Sea here in L.A.? We read that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego jumped into the fire and that they didn't burn. Do we believe in that God? We believe that Jesus fed the 5,000. We believe that Jesus walked on the water. We believe that Jesus raised Lazarus to life. We even believe that he will do great things in the book of Revelation. But do we have faith in God for our today? Don't be so hard on yourself. Do you remember the first church? I mean, they're living the book of Acts. I mean, people that were lame were able to walk, and people that were blind were able to see. 
And there they are praying for Peter. And Peter gets out of jail by supernatural angel that delivers him out of jail. He knocks on the door and they're in the middle of their prayer process. We believe in prayer. But do you believe in the God that you're praying to? You see, we can't get so hooked on the process that we lose sight of the God that we're connecting to. Prayer is just the process that connects us to God. The Word of God is the understanding of the revelation of who God is so that we know what to pray and what to believe and what to hope in. You see, they were so engaged with the process, but they struggled, in, they struggled to believe that God would actually do it for them. Do we trust him to be the same unchanging God of the Bible for our today? You see, God alone is our object of faith. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to see this again. Hebrews chapter 11. This time, I actually want you to turn there. Hebrews chapter 11. And I think I had to turn to Mark chapter 10. So let's pick it up there. Mark chapter 10. I'll start in verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. And what the Hebrew writer is doing is introducing us to the life of faith. The just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Okay, so God really likes us to be, have faith in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe or have faith to the saving of the soul. Now let's pick it up with chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. In other words, Moses did what God asked him to do by faith. Noah did what God asked him to do by faith. Abraham did what God asked him to do by faith. The tree did what God told it to do, period. And it didn't have a will, it just had to perform. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now go back to verse 1. The evidence of things not seen. Jesus would tell us something powerful in John chapter 5, verse 37, and I'm going to let you put the pieces together. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice or any time, nor seen his form. Put the pieces together. John will further reiterate this point in 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. Paul would take this theology a step further. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God alone who is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He would then go on to say in the very same book of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16, who alone has immortality, speaking of God, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Are you beginning to see the evidence of things not seen is God himself. 
He is the object. He is the subject of our faith. We need to start seeing what we can't see. Have faith in God. Now, I know this might be our confession. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Trust the Lord. We say it all the time. Have faith in God. We sing about it all the time. But does our life show the evidence that we believe it? Do we still believe in the God who moves mountains? Surely one day we trust that when he puts his feet on the Mount of Olives, one will go to the east and one will go to the west. We believe that. I just taught that. We've got the faith to trust that in our tomorrow, God will move mountains. But I want you to, I have a question. Do we believe that he can move mountains today? Let's go on. Verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and though it it, he being dead still speaks. So by faith. So faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So God told Cain and Abel, these are the kind of sacrifices that I want you to bring. Cain said, I'm bringing my own. Abel said, I'm going to bring what God wants me to bring. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Now stop there if you would. He who comes to God must believe that he is. While this is true in the sense of believing in the existence of God, you've got to believe that he is. This verb is an action verb, an ing. In other words, what the writer is saying is, believe that he is and he still is. So he ising. Didn't go over like I wanted it to, but okay. The writer of Hebrews, he would further confirm this. A little bit later, as he wrote his letter to help us understand what he's trying to get across in Hebrews 11, he would say this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and... Did you hear it? Because we're good with yesterday. We believe that he parted the Red Sea. We're even good with uh, 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 forever. We believe he's going to move the, move, move the mountains. We believe the Mount of Olives is going to move from the east, go to the east to the west. We're good with yesterday. We're good with forever. But do we believe that he can move a mountain today? Do we believe that he exists as active as we read in the word, as is our experience with him in our everyday lives? The psalmist believed it. Psalm 68, I want you to hear what the psalmist said. Summon your power, God. Show us your strength. I'm reading from the NIV. Our God, as you have done before. I know you're part of the Red Sea, and I believe you can do it again. 
He believed and had faith in God. Not in the process, not even in this prayer. He was surrendering the prayer by faith to God, and he believed that who God was is who God is. Malachi believed. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, the Bible says this. In Malachi 3, 6, For I'm the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. In other words, I'm an unconditionally loving God. I'm not going to change who I am. But I fear that when we read verses like we can move mountains, that our disappointment or our lack of experience, we tend to develop a theology. Well, God's taking a break from miracles these days. He's a little tired. God's taken a break from the healings and the supernatural because that was in the book of Acts. And that's what he did. And the gifts are not for today. We've developed whole theologies around no moving mountains. And like the disciples, God, Emmanuel, is with us in the boat. And theologically, we are drowning him and drowning, and we're telling him, You don't care about us. Are you sleeping? Do you know what's going on in our lives? Do you know the mountain that's in front of me? But it may be that we have put our faith as the answer and not in God. We put our faith in the answer that we want and not in God. We put our faith in the timing that we want and not in God. Imagine Abraham. The fulfillment of Abraham's promise wasn't until Jesus in full. Next week, we're going to talk about, imagine Abraham speaking to the mountain when God changed his name Abraham. And he had to tell people, my name is Abraham. How many children you got? Because your name means the father of Benny. How many children you got? Well, I got one. And I really don't want to talk about him because he was quite a mistake. Ishmael. Imagine Abraham and the timing of God that when he was 100 years old, Sarah gave birth. Have we put our faith in our deliverance from a problem or situation and not put our faith in God? Sometimes we put our faith in the process, our faith in the answer, our faith in the timing, our faith in the deliverance, and we get so disappointed when God doesn't show up and move the mountain that we think he should move. I have a question for you. Was Jesus disappointed when he asked the cup to be moved and it wasn't? Think about it for a minute. No. Because he said something after he asked the cup to be moved. Not my will, but yours be done. In his humanity, he cried out, let this mountain be moved. In his humanity, in his emotions, in his manness, let this mountain be moved. But in his spirit, he had faith in God, not the sincerity of his prayer. He was dripping sweats of blood when he prayed. Who's done that one? Who's done that one? I would say Jesus was not disappointed because he had faith in God. You see, believing that he is, as Hebrew commands us to, 
doesn't mean believing what we want him to be and do for us. We've got to know the mountains that he's willing to move. It's believing that he is what he says he is and will only do what he says that he will do. That is a faith that can move mountains. In other words, only the mountains that he wants to move will he move. And that's a biblical faith in God. Let me help explain that. It's 1 John chapter 5. You'll see it on the screen. Now, this is the confidence. Now, the name it, claim it people, they don't quote this verse. They only quote, say it and you'll move it. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. So here's how you know your prayer will be answered. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. So listen, if you are praying for a Christian girlfriend, he'll answer that prayer. But if you are praying as you're dating the non-Christian, Lord, help me. Don't be surprised if he's silent on that one. Because we're not supposed to be unequally yoked. I learned that in the Word of God. And so if I'm praying for a Christian girlfriend, that's a prayer that he hears. John chapter 14. By the way, I'm married. I am not praying for a Christian girlfriend. I have the most incredible wife. In fact, I was speaking to someone today who watches online. And I was talking to them, and I said, hey, how you doing? And he goes, is your wife going to... And he's happily married and the whole wonderful thing. And he goes, is your wife going to be leading worship tonight? I said, well, why don't you listen tonight to the Bible study? And he goes, well, is your wife leading worship? And I said, um, no, she is not leading worship. Well, then I won't be watching. I only watch you when your wife is leading worship. I was like, okay, <laughs> I won't be calling you anymore. All right. Take a look at John chapter 14. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go you know, and the way you know. You see, sorry, um, this is actually, I'm like, wait a second, that's not the right verse. It's 13 and 14, John chapter 14. I'll read it for you. Listen. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Did you hear it? If you ask anything in my name. Now, we've talked about name before. Name is not a title. It's a conduct. It's a behavior. It's a character. So if you're praying for the $5.8 million house, and Jesus says things like, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man does not have a $5.8 million house to lay down his head in, that might be a risky prayer. Because if I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus, I'm going to pray in the conduct of Jesus. I'm going to pray in the character of Jesus. I'm going to pray in the behavior of Jesus. So this is not a prayer that Jesus necessarily responds to. Jesus, she hurt my feelings. Go get her. <laughs> Leprosy would work for me. God bless you. If you are praying that kind of prayer, that's not a Jesus-style prayer. That's not a heart of in the name Jesus kind of prayer. 
Now, that's not a mountain to move. Now, listen, John chapter 15, verse 7. Take a look at this as we're guiding through moving mountains. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Did you hear the qualifier? First, it's according to my will, in my name. Now, another qualifier in moving mountains is if you abide in me. This is choosing to have faith in God when we are going to God his way. And he says, abide in me. Do you remember John the Baptist? He was abiding in him. He was reading Isaiah chapter 40, and God spoke to him. John, that's you. That's you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Isaiah chapter 43. When you pass through the flames, you will not be burned. That's why they jumped right on into that fire. When they read that, they believed it was for them. God spoke to them. They were abiding in him. He will speak to us as we're in the word. And let me tell you something. He's still speaking to us today. Let's say you're sick. You're reading James chapter 5. And the Bible says, let the elders come and lay hands on you that you might be saved or that you might be made whole. And God speaks to you. I need to go have the elders lay hands on me. Are you willing to trust God for his answer or are you trusting the process? If I do this, then this will happen. And then you don't get made well And now you're frustrated with God. You're disappointed with God because you had faith in the process of what God told you to do instead of God himself. Let me explain. What if your salvation is not what you expected? And he brings you home. Elijah. James uses his medicine as an example, and he says this. Hey, Elijah, just pray. Three years he prayed, it didn't rain. And then he said, let it rain, and it did rain. The great prophet Elijah. But Elisha got a double portion of, God's, of Elijah's spirit. He got a double portion. And you know what the Bible says of him in 2 Kings? He was given a sickness to that which he would die. Excuse me? The great Elisha, who did double the amount of miracles that Elijah did, he was given a sickness to that which he would die. What if that's God's way to make Elisha whole? And maybe death has one perspective in regards to us, but in God's perspective, having faith in God, it's a whole different perspective. And he says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. You see, if we have faith in God, when we go to him with the process that he's asked us to go to him with, then we will trust him for the outcome, not what we expect the outcome to be. Have faith in God. Now, I want you to think of the other things that we've read. We've read things like Abraham had a child at 100 years old because God still does the impossible. 
We've read things like Moses delivering the nation from uh, Egyptian slavery because God still does the unimaginable. We've read that the walls of Jericho came down because God still does the unthinkable. We've read that Lazarus was raised from the dead because God still does the miraculous. He's not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't relegate God's activity to only in the strict scriptures. Trust him to move your mountains today. He doesn't call himself the great I am for nothing. You see, moving today in power, the same, he's still moving in power today, the same way that he moved in the Old Testament, the same way that he moved in the New Testament. When he gave power of the Holy Spirit to the New Testament church in the book of Acts, he didn't take it away from the 21st century. The difference is our faith. Do we have faith in God? So my hope is that we'd have faith in God that moves the mountains he wants to move. According to his will. As you abide in him and pray prayers in his name. That he will move, have faith in God. That he will move the mountains he wants to move. Now, This takes the power from what you do, as far as your prayer life, how much you read. It takes the boasting away from what you do. It moves from God as being your servant to you having faith in God. This is truly seeing what is not seen. And I guarantee God will give you the eyes of faith. I'll close with this story. Elisha was able to know what was going on in the king's bedroom. So the king sent a whole bunch of soldiers to him. Surrounded the area. Servant gets out in the morning and begins to stretch. (gasps) And he looks. And they're surrounded by soldiers. He runs back. Elisha. You never, you gotta come out and see what's going on. We're all gonna die. Like we're surrounded by soldiers. Elisha goes like this Lord, would you open up his eyes to see? He walked back, walked back out, and he saw a reality that he never saw before. He saw what could not be seen because Elisha had faith in God. And he saw the angels surrounding him. And my prayer for you tonight is that God would give you eyes to see. Have faith in God. That was Jesus' solution to moving mountains. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that as we walk through this series, And even see in your servant Abraham, the father of faith, that you would give us spiritual eyes to see how we can move mountains, the mountains that you want moved. And so, Lord, 
we don't want an Ishmael. We don't want to hear your promise and then try to make it happen on our own through praying more and reading more and and doing everything, thinking that what we do is what will bring on what we want. I pray that we just have faith in you. We would do what you've asked us to do and trust you with the outcome. So Lord, grant us this faith. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.